Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for your unction this morning, for your help, for the wisdom of the Holy Ghost. I yield my vessel to that anointing. I lean upon it fully. I thank you, Lord, for make my tongue that of a ready writer write upon their hearts through my words by the power of the Holy Ghost that it would not just be speaking, that it would not just be motivational, but it would be spiritual under the anointing to write revelation and vision upon their hearts, Lord. You've given them a new heart, and you said you'd write your law in their heart. Write the word in their heart and write the vision because you so told us, write the vision and make it plain that they that read it may run with it. Lord, you, you, you told us to write it, organize it, make it simple, but Lord, I also believe that when it says write the vision, it's not just me writing the vision in my notes, it's you writing the vision on their hearts because you said you'd write the law in their hearts. You'd write your word and revelation in their hearts. Now, Lord, I'm asking you, write the vision in their hearts and make it real to them and make it, let them breathe it. Let them, let them love it. Let them want to run with it. Lord, you motivate them. I'm not a motivational speaker. Lord, I'm just a simple preacher. You are the great motivator and inspirer, Holy Ghost. You do a work that I cannot do by the anointing. Angels assist me to speak forth in Jesus' name and influence me according as the will of God is and influence the people in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the gifts of the Spirit, for all nine to operate as you will. Holy Ghost, I love the word of, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and the discerning of spirits and tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy, the gifts of healings, the working of miracles, and the gift of faith. Let them operate as you will, Father. And I give you the praise. I, I, I endeavor to speak skillfully and soberly uh, under that anointing, Father, that I would not misspeak in Jesus' name. Lord, you've given a specific instruction to me for today. It kind of changed. I had it all ready. I had it all ready before I went to bed last night and I woke up this morning and you started speaking and you kept speaking and you kept speaking and you kept speaking and in the car you kept speaking and in the green room you kept speaking and putting on my microphone you kept speaking and Lord you didn't stop speaking until about 30 seconds till I came out that door and Lord you told me to add some stuff which I'm a little hesitant to add because I'm not totally comfortable Father you know I'm not totally comfortable talking about this but Lord I heard you this morning say you say it it must be said for it is part of the vision. So Lord, I ask you to help me and strengthen me and give me the boldness that I need for, I, they'll understand when I get into it why I was hesitant. But Lord, I know your voice and I know you told me to do it. So I put my own concerns aside. I put my own concerns of how they may view me aside and I trust you and I'm obeying you and I thank you that you'll honor that and that you'll touch the hearts in Jesus' name. They'll understand when I get into it why, but I thank you, Lord, in advance for your strength, for your help, and for that, for that unction of the Spirit to be on them and on me. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Now, I, I want to, as we, I'm starting, but as I start, let me tell you something important. Uh, I planned on doing the vision until the vision was over. It took me nine hours to share it with Jenny in the hotel room. And then it took another, another hour the next day. So 10 hours in total, just talking constantly. You can understand uh, that would probably take 20 hours if you were to preach it because you, I can't just say things to you the way I would say it to her. I have to say it differently. Uh, and so I thought this is going to be about 20 parts. Well, the Lord spoke to me yesterday and he said, no. 
I said, no, you told me to preach the vision till it was done. You see how we interpret things on our own? I interpret the vision till he's done, the, the, whole, the whole vision he gave me. He said, no, you preach it till it's done, but you preach the vision I tell you to preach till it's done, not the vision until it's done. So I said, okay, Lord, what, what is that? So he gave me, showed me exactly what to continue. We've done five parts, and every one has been distinct and important. And today will be distinct and important. And he's given me uh, the rest of the parts, and he said, when that, when that is done, now you didn't tell me, uh, he didn't tell me it had to be done next week or the week after, but he did say it has to be done before California. Yeah. So he said up to uh, by or before June the 6th, because I leave on June the 6th, yeah. Sunday, June the 6th, to fly to California for my time with Pastor Nancy. It is a tremendous rigmarole to get to California with the testing. And then, of course, we, we, we didn't want to do... Anyway, I can't say certain things on live stream, so I, I will be quiet. But we... The, the government in its manifold wisdom doesn't have the same rules for flying as it does driving. And there are loopholes in different places, which people, if they do their research, will discover. And it is actually better to drive and there's less restrictions to drive than there's still quarantining, but there's less other restrictions to drive than there is to fly. And my uh, assistant extraordinaire, uh, Corinne uh, Morris and Errol have found out all these things. And so it is better for us to drive to Buffalo, cross the border, fly, fly back to Buffalo, drive home. It saves us a lot of problems, although we still have to quarantine but it's, but it's just a tremendous, we've had to cancel, I don't know how many flights we booked and canceled and got credits for because things keep changing. Same thing happened in January. In this, this case, it's even more complicated because the rules are more strict now than they were in January. And so there's just a lot of rigmarole and everything Chantel in me said, just stay home for goodness sakes. Just watch it, she'll understand. And Pastor Nancy really will understand. She really will understand. But I heard the Holy Ghost say, you go. So I said, Jenny, if you want to stay, because the kids are being homeschooled, it's their last, second last week of school, maybe you should stay home and just be with them. Then you don't have to quarantine afterward, you know, because I can stay in a separate part of the house in the basement because we have a separate area, a separate entrance. And, 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 and so she considered that and prayed, and the Lord said, no, do not consider that. That is not an even option for you. You're going. So God spoke to me privately. God spoke to her privately, and now we're, now we're going. But because we're going, and then the delay and the interruption of life, and I'm not here here if, if the if the lockdown's over if it's not over either way I'm not here in the building until the 27th of June and I know the Lord did not want there to be that break in the momentum of the vision and so he said to me you're not doing all of it you're doing what I show you to do that is considered all of it in his opinion and you do it by or before the 6th. So I know I basically have today, and then I have what? The 23rd. I've got three more Sundays after today to get everything in, and I probably, I don't know, we'll see how it comes out. You know, we'll see. Because God has a way of adding stuff like he did this morning for half an hour that I wasn't planning on saying. So it might take the whole time until June 6th. But whatever it takes will be done by June 6th. And that would be a maximum of nine parts. So the vision will be a maximum. Because I want to give this to new members when they join the church. If we give them 38 parts, they probably won't watch them all. But if we give them nine, listen, when we go to Pastor Nancy's, there's 11 services. And I watch all of them without blinking an eye. So I don't think nine, there's nine gifts of the Spirit, nine fruits of the Spirit. Come on. 
the nines in the Bible, praise God. Let's just do nine. I didn't plan it that way, but he said by June 6th or earlier. So it'll either be eight or nine, depending on how fast I can go. And, uh, and the core of the vision is being shared. And I said, but Lord, what about all the other stuff? Because there was other things that I think were kind of important about the vision. And he said, but it's not the core of the vision. He said, I'll let you add stuff in in regular sermons in the future. You can add a bunny trail here and add a little tributary there and you can add stuff. But he said, the core, I just want you to get that finished. I don't want it to be too long. I want it to be out and I want the people to hear it. And so that's going to happen. And he quoted me again. I said, but Lord, why did you make me do this? Because there's nobody in the sanctuary. Why did you make me do this now? Why couldn't I wait till July? And then I could see the people. I could have done it July and August before, before school starts. And he said to me, blessed are those that have not seen and yet have believed. Amen. John 20, verse 29. I'm telling you, he quote that to me. I, I know you can't see him, but I want you to believe that it's going into their hearts. I want you to believe that they're watching. Praise God. And don't go with, don't go with your numbers from live stream count because that doesn't count people that watch after the fact. So just trust me that my heart is, that my spirit is drawing every heart and that they're watching and, and that this important vision goes forth in the right season. It, it's a sign by God for this season, even though my mind would say it would make more sense for them later on, but, but it was God's idea to do it now. Listen, my mind would think the whole thing with the mantle and everything would be better to do it after COVID ended. Do it all in 2022. Let the clock start in 2022. But that's not what he said. He said 2020. He knew all this stuff, but he still said that's when I, that's the set time in the spirit. Don't matter what's happening in the world. It doesn't matter all the stuff that's happening here. That's what I said. So that's what you do. So that's what we're doing. Praise God. So I'm trusting, even though I can't see you, I'm blessed because I believe. I believe you're getting it and I believe you're watching. Hallelujah, Jenny. Praise God. Now, I know we watched this video last week. I know I've been accused of nostalgia many times by the staff. And I know that every year we watch God with us. Charles Spurgeon. It is a part of our DNA and we will be watching it again this Christmas. And we will watch it every Christmas until the rapture. And probably on the night we're raptured, we'll be watching Charles Spurgeon, God with us. And when you see him in heaven, you will say, I don't know anything else you preached, but December 24th, 1854, you preached a message called God with us. And my pastor made me listen to excerpts of it every year. Anyway, getting, moving right along. I know I've been accused of being nostalgic, but there is a divine purpose why I'm doing this. And it's not just because some of you might have missed it last week. I'll explain to you when I'm done why you are watching this again. But pay attention because this is the last time that you're ever going to watch a video on this subject. Dear Pastors Craig and Jenny Field and the congregation at Promise of Life Church, Mississauga, Ontario. First of all, I want to thank you for your purchase and ongoing monthly support payments for the Toyota 4x4 truck. This truck's cargo box was converted to a Thai-style all-terrain 4x4 minibus, which in the Thai language is called a songtail. It is a great blessing to the ministry in Thailand. It has become indispensable and is the main vehicle in our ministry. This Toyota 4x4 Songtail is used to transport students and staff on market evangelism where we preach the gospel in the open markets. To transport staff and students 
to door-to-door -to -door evangelism, to transport students to special sports events where our students compete in sports with other schools, to transport staff and students to weekend evangelism outreaches to church villages in the rural mountains of Thailand, to transport our staff to large leadership rallies with other ministry leaders, to transport staff and students on Christmas evangelism outreach programs in the mountains, to transport myself and two or three staff along with teaching materials as we visit and encourage graduates at their ministry locations wherever that may be in Thailand to take students to and from the highway bus terminal when they arrive for the new semester, for special shopping for the staff or students, to pick up and drop off guest teachers or teams at the airport when they arrive from other countries. This Toyota 4x4 is also used for other ministry purposes not mentioned here. Through the purchase and ongoing monthly support payments of this Toyota 4x4 Songtail, Pastors Craig and Jenny and the Congregation of Promise of Life Church are providing an indispensable ministry vehicle here in Thailand. We can say, Pastor Craig heard clearly from God when Pastor Craig said God told him to buy us a pickup truck for the ministry in Thailand. Thank you, Pastor Craig, for hearing from God, and thank you, Promise of Life Church, for giving towards it. God bless you. Pastor Marvin and I would like to thank you, Pastors Craig and Jenny, and Promise of Life Church for your faithful financial giving to Impacting Asia Ministries. We thank you for the silver Toyota truck that was given to the ministry. Your partnership with our ministry enables us to raise up, equip, and put into ministry Thai nationals so they can fulfill their destiny God has called them to. Thank you for giving. God bless you. Amen. Now you say, why is that the last time you will ever hear about the tide truck? Well, the reason I'm saying that is because I told you last Sunday we needed $8,400 between now and by the time Pastor Matthew's ready to go to Africa that we needed to raise that basically over the next 12 months. And in one week, $8,000 came in for that truck. Praise God. We only have 400 to go. And that prophecy, I heard the Holy Ghost say there's a person of means who will give some. He, he said he will give thousands. I don't know. Thousands could mean two. It's obviously not one, two, three, four, five, whatever. And one individual gave $2,000. I don't know who that was, but thank you for obeying God, whoever you were. And many others just gave small amounts, but there was an outpouring of support for that truck. And we have 8,000 of the 8,400 required. So basically, uh, it's, it's basically just paid off. Praise God. I mean, I'm sure that last bit will trickle in quickly. I just want to thank you for those that sowed and that, that the, your money is saving souls. It's taking them to save souls. You know, you're not the one preaching, but, but that's, part of, that's part of the reward. They have to get there. Bible says they can't hear without a preacher and they can't be, they can't preach without being sent. The book of Romans says you are sending them physically in a truck and that is a reward to you in heaven. Believe me, that is a reward to you in heaven. Praise God. So I want to thank you and, uh, and that the rest of that will, will, will come in now. I just want you to know anything extra that comes in beyond that $400, according to what the government allows us to do. Once that need is met, we can put it toward the next need and the next need is the new truck for Pastor Matthew. 
praise God. We're believing for a truck to buy here in Canada to keep the cost down, ship it over to Liberia, and that will be his ministry vehicle, a promise of life vehicle for our ministry in Liberia, and he'll be driving all over the country and even to other countries in that. So we need a tough, strong, very similar, probably like a Toyota Revo with extra shocks and springs because they've got, they've got potholes there the size of VWs. I mean, I'm serious. You could fit a family of 16 in some of their potholes. I've seen him when we were, he had one wheel up, you know, on the thing because we could, the, the road had given way and then he comes back down. It's quite an adventure, praise God. It's quite an adventure uh, to drive with him in Africa. And, uh, and so uh, I know Delaware is actually watching right now briefly. They're, they're, they're watching just the beginning of this message. And then when I dismiss them, they'll go to their regular service. So welcome, Delaware. I love you. Don't, don't, don't leave me yet. I just want to say, Pastor Matthew, praise God. Now that our beautiful tide truck is, is virtually done, now the focus is your truck, sir. And we will have that truck for you by the time you launch. Amen. And we'll buy it here and bring it and put it in the parking lot. And on that Sunday, whenever that is, before you are finished your impartation season, so late March, April, or, or whenever, maybe you have to come back if it's in June. I don't know. But before you, before you drive it back to, to the United States to ship it, we're going to all lay hands on that truck and lay hands on you and commission you to the work in Africa. And it's going to be an exciting, glorious day. Probably have a barbecue as well. And maybe you make us some palava leaf stew. Who knows? We'll just see how the Lord leads. Praise God. But it will be wonderful. So I want to, I want to remind you, uh, praise God, uh, that that truck is paid. I'll tell you the truck is paid and remind you that now anything more goes toward the next truck. Praise God. We're not going to probably take an offering for Africa truck until later in the year, but I'm just officially saying thank, thank you for supporting. The Thai missionaries are taken care of. Amen. Yeah. And I know that truck will last him probably till Jesus comes because he took such good care of that other truck. Um, I mean, that truck will probably take, you know, a million kilometers. Who knows? But he'll probably get another one before that. Anyway, I love you and thank you all for helping me with that. Now, Pastor Matthew and Precious were with me two years ago in California. They've come with me every year since 18. But uh, in one of the meetings, Pastor Nancy, uh, she was ordaining them. Uh, you know, because they were ordained with another organization and I wanted them ordained under her. I can't ordain them here because can, Canadian ordaining bodies don't apply in the United States in terms of a license to marry. So they have to be ordained by a U.S. body. Pastor Nancy ordained them. She pulled them in the back with two other couples and she prayed for the other couples first and then she got to them. And, uh, and when she got to them, the Spirit of God came on her and she began to prophesy. And then, and then she began to explain some things after she prophesied. It's a short clip, just a few minutes, but I want you to watch. And Pastor Matthew, I wanted to put this last week, but it, I didn't remember until I was preaching. It came up out of my spirit, but of course we didn't have the clip ready at the moment's notice. So I'm playing it now. It's kind of part two this today from last week's message. And, and, and I want you to watch Pastor Matthew and Precious, and I want their congregation to watch because they should know what, what God said through Pastor Nancy about their pastors. And I want our congregation to watch because we're, we're sending him out. He's coming, going out under, under me, but as an apostle, under me to plant churches in Africa. And I want you to know what my pastor by the Spirit said over him. I think it's valuable. So would you watch in the back room? This is in her private green room. And Father, I lay hands upon this precious couple also. I thank you, Father, for the unique way you brought us into fellowship together. We so appreciate, Father, that it's very much deliberate very much on purpose. And Father, I lay my hands upon them. Pastor, you want to come and lay your hands on them too? I lay my hands upon them with their pastor. Oh, I thank you, Father, 
for all that he needs to come, all that they need. We thank you, Father, for precious and all of the Lord, all that you have for them. There's many, many, many steps, many turns to make in the plan that is authored for you, for your ministries to flow together. It will be your responsibility. It'll be both of your responsibility to pray that out in the spirit for you to draw on this couple what you need for your future. And so as you pray for them, from them will flow into you and it will accelerate y'all. It will cause things that those that you will labor among, it would take them multiplied amounts of time to accomplish what you'll do in a shorter time. As you spend time praying for these two, you will sow into your futures. And he'll have utterance in his mouth for you. It'll just come and it will you'll get to bypass because you're parented. You'll get to bypass what orphan of the difficulties that orphaned children Amen. have to encounter. That's that's not y'all, you're not orphaned. Amen. May they be, now this, this phrase comes up in my spirit, standard bearers of God's, uh, not only of his word, but of the move of the spirit. You will end up being standard bearers that people will look at you and say, we set our standard by what we see in there. We set they are our examples. We've never seen it on this wise before. Now this this is for time down the road. You understand? Not yes, immediate. But I'm saying this will play out over time down the road as you as you develop and as you come into the order and the system that God has authored for you. He. There's to be order and system to everyone, but God will cater that to you particularly. The order and system he has for this couple will be a little bit different than it's catered and tailored made to you. Hallelujah. We thank you. And it will be a, you'll be a standard bearer. That's it. Wow. Standard bearer. Wow. Wow, in the nation and in the region where God sends them. And what it will do, people will start comparing the false to you. And they'll say, oh, this is false. Not because we've been taught it's false, but we see We see the difference. You know, and they'll say, so they'll quit being susceptible and gullible to the flow of the flesh. Because they see the standard of the word and the spirit that will be laid out in front of them, and they'll go, "Oh, this is easy. It's easy to see the difference between the two, and it will it will unwork, it will undo the devil's work through the through the flesh of people who are untaught. Mm, amen. Untaught flesh 
is even though they're hungry for God, they're still an avenue the devil uses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he holds regions bound, and he holds uh, cities and congregations and things bound by the ignorance. And so he enters through ignorance, but to go there in knowledge and wisdom that you will gain. Not, not to say you don't have it now, but even more that you'll gain. And you'll say, no, we're not going to be susceptible. And what it will do, just going in there being the standard bearer, I mean, it will just be, start unraveling. Oh, the other, the, just the works of the flesh that have been Jesus. hindering God's flow from people. The closer you stay to, to the, the connections God puts you, the better you finish. And the easier it makes the race. You know, in a marathon, the, the, the trainer for the runner doesn't stay at the start line. Right. They, they drive, they'll get cart and they'll ride along and they'll call out instructions to them. And so the closer that runner is to hearing what his trainer is saying, that's going to affect the finish. And that's why it's so important that stay very close, not just in word, but in heart. Yeah. It's, it's it, you know, and even if you don't understand some things, that's okay. Just put them in place. Yeah. If you see that he says you need to do this, well, I don't know why we need it. It doesn't matter. Just hook your heart to the instruction. Yeah. Even if your head doesn't understand it. Yeah. yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, y'all. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, Pastor Matthew and Precious, remember the three main parts. You write it out yourself. You should probably write the entire prophecy out word for word. Show God that you honor that and respect that. And read it at least once a month, if not more, to yourselves as a couple and to your children. That would show honor for that prophecy. Write it out word for word. But just as a, just there were three main things that she said throughout that, that five, six minute clip. The first one I want to remind you is the more you pray for Pastor Jenny and I, in doing so, you sow seed for your future. And, and that was by the Spirit. So, so pray for us. Uh, don't just pray for the work in Africa. Pray for us. And then answers are in our mouth from that apostle's office for you. And you sow seed for your future. Number two, standard bearers. People in Africa will measure the standard of truth by you and compare the false to you. Praise God. I like this phrase. She said, it will undo the devil's work through the flesh of those who are untaught. And believe me, in West Africa, there is a lot of false doctrine. There's a lot of nonsense, like pastors charging people money in order to pray for their healing. But they won't teach tithing, but they'll charge you for prayer. That's, that's flesh, and the devil's coming in by that flesh because they're not taught. There's going to be a standard that people are going to set themselves by, by the promise of life ministry there and under your leadership, Pastor Matthew and Precious. So I remind you of that. And the third and final thing is she said, the closer you stay to us, the greater will be your finish. So don't, don't get separated. Don't get offended ever. You have never so far since I've met you in 18, you've never been offended once. But don't, don't ever get offended. Just stay close because I want your finish to end. And I say in the name of Jesus, I say by the Spirit of God, I say in the name of Jesus, it will be easy. It will be easy in this season that is about to come with Pastor Mammy. It'll be easy as you prepare for this transition season with Mammy. It'll be easy in the impartation season. It'll be easy 
easy coming here to Canada. It'll be easy going home. It'll be easy preparing. It'll be easy for you get the money raised. It'll be easy for the truck. It'll be easy as you go to prep. It'll be easy as Precious goes to prep. It'll be easy when you launch in August officially with the children. It'll be easy. I say easy. I say light and easy. I say his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the light yoke and the easy burden upon them for this assignment in Africa. I say it will be light and easy and it will be joy and peace in Jesus' name. I give you praise. Hallelujah. Guys, I love you and I, and I appreciate you and, and, and I'm standing with you and I'm in covenant with you for life. Praise God. Hallelujah. My wife saw in the spirit before we met the, the, the Woas, uh, me standing on a stage, she had a little vision and there was a, a sea of, of African faces uh, with their beautiful smiling white teeth and singing their African songs. And, and she, said, a young, she said, a man stood on the stage beside you. She said, I don't know who he is, I've never seen him before, but oh, the smile that he had. Craig. She said, you'd be preaching and he'd be looking at you and smiling and then he'd preach and then you'd talk and then you'd interchange with each other. And he was standing on the platform with the smile. And when she met Matthew, she said, that's the one, that's the one, that's the one from the vision. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're going to do it. Glory to God. Some of you are going to come sit on that stage with me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And we're going to do things together. Remember I said last week, God's got a plan for many of you to join us, not just in your heart and in prayer and in financially supporting, but in going. Because it's an apostolic church we're in. It's not just me. It's us. Praise the Lord. So, uh, hallelujah. Amen. Delaware, now listen, I've got some other things to share, but, but Pastor Matthew promised me, and Delaware Church promised me something. If you're going to end the live stream now, which is fine, go about your regular service, which, which is what we agreed on, and that's completely acceptable. Promise that you'll go and watch the rest of the service later this afternoon or tonight. Or Pastor Matthew, if you feel prompted, just watch the whole service with me now. But if you don't, then you can end it now, do your own service, but make sure you watch because there's some things, like I said, that I wasn't planning on sharing, but the Lord dealt with me all morning to share that I think would be very important for you to hear, Pastor Matthew, as well as your congregation, although I'm not going to insist that you, that you continue watching now. I'll leave that up to you, but if you don't watch now, watch later. Okay, Delaware Church, God bless you, and uh, we'll let you return to your regular service or as whatever Pastor Matthew uh, says. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Now, uh, we're, we're going, I'm just, we're talking there. And, and, I, and I just shared a second ago uh, about the fact that this is not just an apostolic call on me, right. but that this is an apostolic call on you as this church. Right. And that some of you, uh, you know, say, well, I'm excited about Pastor Craig going here and Pastor Craig going there, but not, don't just be excited. Say, Lord, what is my part to play in that? Do I just pray? Do I just sow? Or, or is this something? And just start talking to God about it now. Because some of you, you know, you might have to prepare a little bit. You, you're not, probably not going to talk to you, you know, a month before you leave. It's probably going to be stuff that you're going to have to get ready for and just get your heart ready for. So it's not just on me. It's on us. This is an apostolic church. It's on us. And you have a part to play in that. So don't just say, that's great for him. Say, that's great for him and it's great for me because I'm a child of the mantle, which means I'm under that. What role do I have? And some of you will just pray 
and just send finances. But others of you will pray and finance and go. In fact, I believe many of you over the years, hundreds of you will come. Because what I learned as a young man, and I know this for my sons here sitting on the front row, but I learned as a young man what changed me more than anything was mission trips because it let me see the power of God flow through my hands. It let me preach on the street corners. It let me see the abject poverty. It let me appreciate what I had. God worked himself through me on those. I've seen Quinn there in Brazil pray for the sick and God healed them and Cole as well. This is, not, but if it's not, it's not just for young people, teenagers. Every Christian should go on a mission trip because every Christian, whether you're physically young or not, needs to see what the rest of the world, not just on your cruise or in your, in your villa. Now, you know, we got wonderful, you know, places we, you know, people can go in the world with beautiful places. And, and, you know, we've been to Switzerland before in different places. It's beautiful and there's time for vacation. But if that's the only thing you ever do, uh, I'm telling you, something's missing. Your, 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 your thing on the plane shouldn't just be to get on for vacation. It should also be to get on for mission. Have a vacation later or in addition to, but make sure there's a mission. And all of you, no matter you're young or old, need have a part to play. I believe in many of you, maybe not all, but many of you will actually go. But I want to remind you, this season that you're in right now, as we're beginning to build momentum, is your qualification season. Because if you can't walk in love, if you can't tithe, if you can't watch live stream faithfully, how God going to trust you to get up and stand in front of the street corner and preach and pray for the sick? Uh, how's he going to trust you over there, which is the greater? If you can't be trusted with the small, God said that he has to trust you with the small things. Mammon is money, the small things, in order for you to have the true riches. True riches is not money. True riches is the anointing. It's the plan of God. He wants to be able to trust you with that, but you got to be faithful, as many of you are. But you got to stay faithful in your finances, stay faithful in your love walk, stay faithful in your serving. In this season, stay faithful in your watching. Stay faithful with what you say and what you don't say. Don't slander, but Confess right, walk in love, do what we're preaching Wednesday, walk in love. This is a qualification season. And some of you say, I want to go, but you don't maybe qualify yet. But you will. You will. I know you will because you've got a pure heart. Listen, if you're in this church for any length of time, you have a pure heart because most people, if you don't, you're offended and out the door because I just. So if you're here for a while, I know you got, I know if you're putting up with, with it, praise God, you've got, you've got a pure heart. So uh, make sure that you remember uh, that this is a qualification season for you. But in light of the fact that this is for a church, not just for me as an individual, okay? Although I might be the leader of it, but we're still... Have you ever seen a king go out by himself to war? No, sir. Ever see the general go out by himself and all the troops are back there saying, Amen! Amen! No, no. He might lead them if he's real bold. Most of them were too wimpy and they'd, they'd sit on their horse on the hill watching. But if there were a real, a real general, a real, a real leader, they would go in front of their troops. They're equal, but they're in front of. Somebody has to lead. But did you notice the troops went with them? He didn't go to fight by himself. William Wallace never fought the English army alone. He had a whole army with him. I can't go alone. There's got to be an army with me. Sometimes you're all back here, but you're still going with me in the spirit. Others, you, some of you will physically go because it's an apostolic church. It's not just an apostolic on me. It's on the church. And that's why the vision is growing. That's why it's expanding. It's not ambition. It's not my mind. It's not my emotions. Believe me, if it was, you don't know me. My wife does. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do any of this. 
I'm just happy to be a little pastor and then go and have fun and do things. But that's not what God called. That's not what he assigned. That's not what he said. So I'm, my job is to obey that, that calling. My job is to obey that calling. Can I tell you something before we go on? Because I hear the Holy Ghost popping things up like popcorn. That's probably why it's going to take till June 6th because it pops up like this. But Pastor Nancy said something very interesting at our last minister's class. She said, Doc, there was two men. Both, uh, both had, had, had uh, sinned. They both sinned. I think they both slept, they had sexual immorality. Slept with somebody that wasn't their wife. In pastors in a church. And uh, both of them failed. And one died young and one didn't. And, 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 and ministers asked Dr. Sumrall, why did one die young and one didn't? They both committed the same sin. And they both had, they both had a call and they both were in the ministry. Why did one and die and one not? Dr. Sumrall said something pretty amazing. He said, because one, even though he sinned, decided to quit the ministry because of the shame or whatever of the sin. And the other decided not to quit the ministry, took a season to be restored, according to Scripture, but got right back in the saddle, so to speak, and kept running. And the obedience to the call extended his life. So the call, obeying the call, when you're on equal footing with somebody else, obeying the call will, will, will cause you to live out your days. Not obeying the call will open a door to the devil for you to die young. And it doesn't just people that have sinned, anybody. You can look at two people that haven't sinned. One that really pursues the call and one that lags behind. One will live out the full days with, with full honor from God and then have an eternal record in heaven. The other usually ends up uh, not making it. And if they do live out their days, they're, they're, they're frustrated and in misery. Like Dad Hagen said, there's nothing more, more, more sad and, more, frust and more, more depressing than watching a minister out of his call. Because nothing else will satisfy. No amount of money. No, no other job. No other career. There's nothing. There's nothing like being where. If, if you're fivefold office, where go, being where God has called you. Praise God. In the, in the season of preparation, there is, a, there is a thrust because you feel that call, but you have to rein it in because otherwise you'll get out of the timing and you'll fail. You've got to stay put where God's called you. But when God turns you loose, you've got to run with that. And that will extend your days. So there is an apostolic. I, I am, I'm not doing this vision because I'm just in the mood because I've got lots of energy and I want to do something else in life. I want to, I want to expand the borders and I want to travel the globe because I think it's so exciting. It's not. Airports are not exciting. Hotels are not exciting. You've stayed in one, you've stayed in them all. Room service is usually garbage, and my wife is becoming a chef. She made me food yesterday. I'm telling you, it's better than the food I eat in the restaurants. Pray for my waistline, or pray that she becomes a bad cook, because something has got to give. Praise God. I would rather have her cooking than any restaurant in Toronto, I and then when I'm over there, it's worse than the restaurants in Toronto. So there's no, there's no romance. I know people that don't travel think it's romantic. There's no romance for me in traveling. I've done it enough. All the romance has evaporated. I'm not doing this for any other motive than to run with the call, than to fulfill the call and honor Jesus and live out my days so that I give him praise. That's the only reason. So the vision that grows and expands on the apostolic nature of this church is because of the call. It's because of the office. It's not because of me. And as I was preparing for this, the Lord said, I want you to share that as an introduction and then I want you to pause. And I want you to play a video. It's not very long. It's a few minutes, but it's not that long. I want you to play a video to remind the congregation of what I said through the prophet. Yeah. 
Now, this was said to our leadership team. It wasn't said on a regular service, but the Lord prompted me. He said, uh, you go ahead. And, 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 and Brother Greer said it was okay for this to be made public. It's not, it's not like it's hidden and secret and that we're, we're, we're breaking his rules. He said, it's okay for this to be made public. He just happened, the Holy Ghost happened to come upon him in our senior leadership uh, and department head private meeting that wasn't open to the public. But I, it's, just a, it's just a clip. But you need to listen. Now, as you're watching, don't tune out and go get your popcorn, okay? I want you to really listen to what he's saying because I've got lots to say. But I'm taking this pause for a minute because you need to hear what the prophet said by the Spirit. And this was in March 2020. This was March the 8th or 9th or something. This is right before, the week before COVID started in Canada. So this is as recent as it can be because since him, there hasn't been anybody coming. So would you please watch this clip and pay attention to what he says about the apostolic anointing on you as well as on me. Watch this. But I want to talk to you for just a minute about the apostolic nature of this church. Because if you don't understand it, sometimes it's easy to get into error thinking that you by yourself have the ability to function and operate beyond this church because when you come up under, there's an apostolic anointing on this church. Uh, uh, that means uh, an ap apostle is a builder, you understand. That's why who you call your pastors here are so visionary. Every time you turn around, there's another project. <laughs> what? We, what did we didn't survive that? What? <laughs> Hebron, where are we going? But, but, but that is the way the office of the apostle works. And whether you realize it or not, he stands in that office. He and his wife embrace that office. I don't say things like this publicly sometimes. You know what I mean? I'm not saying they shouldn't be said. But you need to know that. He's not just a pastor. You understand that? you'll misinterpret him. He's not always just going to change a diaper, so to speak, the people in the church and put a bottle in your mouth. What he's going to do is slap you upside the head, kick you in the britches and knock you down on the floor sometimes. I mean, it, just be truthful. He's like a bull in a china shop. You know what I mean? My God breaking everything. But that's, that's Dr. Summerall. If you ever around him much, I mean, he, he had such a boldness upon him. You know what I mean? And so that boldness is going to come on you, you know, in a measure because you're operating under that apostolic office. And so you're able to do things because of that that you could not do under a pastoral anointing only. Apostle means sent one. Apostles have special designations to go in specific directions to accomplish certain tasks in the kingdom of God. But know this, the apostolic anointing is a builder's anointing. It's always building. It's always reaching forth. It's always going forth. It's always establishing stuff. And it's always, it's usually going into new territories, tearing down the kingdom of darkness. Amen. And stirring up the devil. To the point that you could even get fingerprinted doing it. My God, you can. <laughs> oh. You understand? But anyway. <laughs> but that's what we're operating under here as a church. 
And now I want you to know I'm speaking by the Holy Ghost. Because if you'll understand this, then you'll understand more about why your pastors speak what they do, why they say what they do, the directions that they're going, the visions that they're having. It's because that God has given them this ability to see things and do things, and, and they wear that T-shirt, ain't scared, you know. You see them, the next thing you know, they're here. Next thing you know, they're over in Russia or Estonia or Africa. And I think we're planning on flying an airplane. <laughs> Airplane across the Pacific, you know. So what, what I'm saying is, when you're, when you're in this body of believers, you're not just under a pastoral anointing. That's why the vision is larger. The buildings are bigger. The outreach is gigantic that boggles the human mind. That's what you're under. The apostolic anointing, the anointing of an apostle is just in a general term is a builder. They tear down things, they break things, they tear up things, they make people mad. I know he's sweet, but they call it beauty sleep. When he's asleep, he's beautiful. I'm just telling you. Just say, Brother Craig, you need some beauty sleep. I mean, I... And I'm not putting him down or not. I'm just telling you, you got to know how this operates. Because if you don't, you'll be looking for the sweet pastor that's going to grab you and pull you and kiss you on the lips. And, and he's going to grab you, but he, boom, he's going to slap you. you know my. But that's, that's the way that thing does. But that's why he has others like you to come around and help him. You can go kiss him. <laughs> Just calm down. It's going to be all right. <laughs> you're going to make it. <laughs> so you're under the anointing here of an apostolic church. And if you don't understand that, again, it will be confusing. Because you have the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. All of those ministries are supernatural ministries ordained by God. I would encourage you to get the book about the ministry gifts. The title of it's coming to me. It's where Jesus appeared to Dad Hagen in 1988, I believe, or 87. Anyway, he appeared to him. And out of that, it came the book Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. But at the same time, another book came from that that he didn't preach right then. And it was the ministry gifts. And he was talking especially about the apostle and prophet and how they would be coming to the forefront because it was necessary. Just like they came to the forefront and the early church to build, tear down, and to go in and establish things in territories. That anointing must come back in the end time because there's a lot of building and establishing that needs to be done, not only here, but worldwide. I would go get that book. I think it's a blue book. You know what I'm talking about? He gave gifts unto men. Yeah, gifts unto men. In fact, I'm pretty sure that you can uh, probably get it digitally off, off the, some website somewhere. Amazon. You can get it as an ebook or whatever. And I would read what Jesus said. And you'll see about the different categories of apostles and what they do. And then this is what Jesus said, too. It's not what I think, and it's not what Brother Hagin thought. 
He just recorded what Jesus said in book format to help us. But it would help you understand what kind of church you're in if you read that. You'll understand why the vision keeps growing and why things keep expanding. Because sometimes if you don't realize it, you can get weary. If you're just used to a little pastor to kiss you on the cheek all the time and tell you everything's going to be all right, we're just going to sit right here until Jesus comes and die. You're in the wrong church. I'm just telling you right now. They ain't going to be sitting here waiting for Jesus to come and die. We're we, we going to get up and go. We're going to do something. You know what I mean? Because they stand in the office of the apostle. They stand there and they didn't put themselves there. It's taken them years to be able to qualify to stand in that place. And there's a balance to everything, you understand? But they wear it well. You understand? They, they wear it well. Because you could go overboard with anything, but they don't do that. The Lord's going to speak to apostles different than he does pastors. He's going to do it. So you can't just look at your church as just a, a pastoral church. And we're not belittling the pastors. Thank God. There's some of you here that's, that helps in that area of the pastoral anointing. And thank God for it. And we appreciate that. But you must understand that you are in an apostolic church. And if you don't understand that, it could get confusing. Because you could get weary and well-doing. If you think, we just want to sit here, you know, just us a little bit. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to make anybody mad. We don't want to do anything. We don't want to take territory. Well, you're in the wrong church, I can tell you. Because this, this church here has an anointing to go into territories in the spirit I'm talking about and take them for Jesus and establish works and establish ministries. And so it's going to take a lot more than just us, you know. So the church has got to grow and it's going to grow under that apostolic anointing. And so in a measure, your place that you stand in whatever office, whatever place, whatever calling you in, in a measure, your anointings are enhanced because of the corporate anointing that's on this church. But some people have the tendency to get to thinking because they are anointed to be in a place and they're in a position and God is moving and God is using them and they have the anointing on their life. They get to thinking, well, I can do this by myself and I'm going to go over yonder and start my own crowd. You're going to fall flat on your face too. You certainly will. I've seen it happen time after time after time. When people get out of the place that God has for them because it takes more than just one or two of us to do something for God. It takes a, a congregation. It takes, a, a, if you'd permit me to use it, a corporation of people together. Cooperating. Seeing and understanding the vision. Understanding the plan. Going to Hebron and wherever else we're going. But what I'm saying is this. There's an apostolic anointing that you operate under. It's a higher level, and we thank God for that. So if you understand it, you'll understand the vision more. You'll understand more why you're doing and why you're going, why things are being established, why churches are going on, not only here with the Asian church in, in Delaware where there's no taxes. We all ought to go. I mean, my <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and then Africa, you know, and then Jerusalem, you know, uh, and, and must I say more? <laughs> must I say more? But uh, there's things going on, 
and it has to be the Lord involved in these things, and He has to be the one to lead us and guide us in these things, right? But if you don't understand the anointing that we're operating under, now this is the Lord's anointing. It doesn't belong to your pastors in a sense. It's just been delegated to them to take this and embrace this and then hear from God and then do what the Lord says do. So this church is an apostolic church. So what are we talking about? Expanding vision. Your vision is going to be challenged. It is going to be expanded. It's going to be stretched if you're in this church. You must understand that. This is not the normal pastoral church. And we're not, thank God for pastors, don't get me wrong. It's just that it's not normal. So now you know why he is abnormal. <laughs> and I say that with love. Me loves him. <laughs> she taught me that. Me loves him. <laughs> she taught me. She helping me. Yes. So what did you say all this for? I don't know. I'm speaking by the Holy Ghost. I had no idea I was going to say it. I'm speaking by the Spirit, though. Because why? You're the key core group. And, of course, you can help disseminate the information out. You know, when people get, what do we do? They're looking for the kind, gentle, you know, sit here and do nothing church. And then when we start ruffling their feathers... Sometimes people get upset and they don't, and then you can explain it to them. You know, you're in an apostolic church. You're in a church that's establishing territories for Jesus Christ. It, had, it took that just to get this building right here where it's at and get this church right here where it's at. It took that, and it's going to take it anywhere you go. So thank God for it. Amen. Amen. So are you excited? The way the church was established in the first founding is the way because the apostles went forth because those certain anointings that was most important, the apostles and prophets went forth and they established the kingdom. Well, in this end time, that apostolic prophetic anointing must come forward in order for the will and plan of God to be established in this earth because there is opposition all around, but it cannot stand up against the anointing. It can stand up against a human being, but it cannot stand against a, an anointing. So you understand, you're in an apostolic church. Your pastors are not just pastors. Even though they are pastors, they stand in the office of an apostle. And there's different levels of that. You understand. Brother Summerall was an apostle, a sent one to the entire world. You know what I mean? And that doesn't mean that this couldn't happen here. I'm not saying that. But you grow in that. You develop in that. And, and he, that's why he had great success. And I don't tell you how many millions of people came to Jesus through that ministry. Millions and millions. And we thank God for it. Are you excited about it? Amen. You understand a little bit more now. And so when the vision increases, remember, don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season, you're going to reap if you faint not. Another thing is, you'll benefit from the office. Which it'll flow down to you in a measure. You know what I mean? And you will be an establisher and a helper in the work. 
as you go forward. Because that's what's important about it. Because we're all working together. We're all under the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I know I took time uh, to do that. But I felt the Lord say you need to have somebody else talk to the congregation for a minute. Uh, to, to validate and reinforce what, what you're saying. And uh, that's why we are submitted to people, and that's why these people come so that they can speak by the Spirit. And I don't discuss those things with him. I don't, I don't talk. He doesn't tell me in advance. I'm planning on saying this. Is that okay? Or, or Brother Greer, would you might say this please for me so that people will believe it when I say it? We don't ever do that. That would be wrong. No, but when he speaks by the Spirit, like you heard him say, he didn't even know he was going to say that. But the Holy Ghost told him to say it. Now, I also want you to, to draw your attention because everything about the vision is, is, comes down to this apostolic thing. The, the, everything about it. Notice he said there's been long seasons of qualification. Yes. October 1991 is when the Lord called me to the ministry. And it took 17 years, 17 years until we started our church in October 2008. 17 years of working in associate pastor jobs, traveling on the road, working secular when I was traveling, working in different churches as assistants, as associate pastors, as youth pastors, as associate youth pastors. It took 17 years of all of that. And then the Lord said, now you qualify to start. But that, that, that was pastoring. It wasn't the apostolic kind of thing. And then it took another 12 years from October 2008 until October or really, uh, yeah, October, November, you know, basically 2020. It took 12 years in the, being faithful in this work, yeah, yeah. being faithful in just the pastoral office. Yeah. Now, it's not coincidence that he started talking about this publicly right. in the same year of the mantle coming. Because right. I need you to understand something very clearly, which is all part of, I'll probably get into it more next week, but the mantle... I don't know if I've really explained this properly, Jenny, to the people, but, but I've been waiting for the right time, and I sense now is the right time as part of this vision series. The mantle means an assignment on, an anointing on assignment. That, that's what the mantle is. It's the anointing that has a specific assignment. But the mantle, my brothers and sisters, uh, really was the next step. I don't like to use the word evolution because we associate evolution with something negative. But it was the next step in the evolutionary journey of my calling. The mantle brought with it the fullness of the apostolic office. And I don't know if people fully appreciate that or understand that. It's not just a new anointing and a fresh anointing, and now I can preach better, or this. That what came with that increased anointing, that mantle, was the full measure in terms of for me to start stepping into it. Now pay attention, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm, I'm in it fully. But the, what was marked by me before, what was God marked me, in years past, but I hadn't stepped into it. Mm -hmm. That was that apostolic call, which is the highest place for me. Yes. That's the highest. It was marked, mm -hmm. but, it was, but it was not like Elisha, the coat came on him, but he didn't step into it to the plain of Jordan. Right. David, before his brothers, they anointed him, but he didn't step into it till he came into Hebron. Right. There was a marking of this, but the mantle didn't come. The fullness of that call didn't come until a season of faithfulness had been wrought. And God picked 2020 for that mantle to come. Yeah. But people got to understand that mantle isn't just an anointing. That mantle is the is me stepping into the apostle's office. Yes, right. 
Can I make it very plain and clear so that you understand? The mantle is me stepping into the apostle's office. That's why in the same year it came, God supernaturally, just before we were locked down, sent a prophet to speak it, which I didn't know he was going to speak, and he didn't know he was going to speak. But God needed to make it public because he knew it was coming on December the 12th. I didn't even know when he said it that we were going to be fasting. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know that we were in the plain of Jordan. I didn't know any of that till August 2nd. He revealed to me what had already happened, that we had passed the chariots of fire, you know, distraction test. I didn't know any of it at the time he was here. It's progressive. But he had to have him say it. It has to be spoken by somebody other than me. It has to be spoken by a prophet. It has notice it was always the prophets that anointed them. It was the prophet's office that had to speak it because they speak for God. And they had to say it in that year because when that mantle came, the anointing, an increased anointing with an assignment came. The assignment was me stepping into that apostle's office. Now, pay attention. I am in ankle deep waters in the apostle's office, but I'm in. Before that mantle came, I was looking at it. I knew I was called to it. Uh, people would hint, Dr. Dufresne talked to me about it privately and publicly when I was with him in Nova Scotia. Pastor Nancy would say some things a little bit here, hint a little bit here, hint a little bit there. Br- Brother Greer would hint a little bit here and there. Private conversation, but never spoken publicly. Right. Doctor did, but he didn't. He kind of kept it vague when he did speak it publicly out east. But it was never clarified because I could see the waters and God's saying, you're going to step in, but you have to be faithful here yes, sir. and not rush. So I said, okay, Lord, I'll be faithful as long as you want because I don't even, I'm not even asking for that. And I'm not even asking for that. If you want to do that, then you have to do it because I'm not, I'm not going to try to jump in. Do you understand? And so then what he did is he started saying in March of 2020, this is it. Why? Because it, it's, he's, it's, now's the time. And then on December 12th, well, that whole fast was part of it. But then on December 12th, when that mantle or that fresh anointing or that new anointing came, basically what God was saying is, put one foot in the water, son. Put your feet in the water. So I'm standing basically toe deep on December 12th. That's what it was. I stepped into that apostle's flow. And I need people to understand that so that they can understand why I make so much of the mantle. Because it's not just a new anointing. It's a new level of everything for this ministry. And that's why things have started to change since that happened. And I'll explain more of that later because God told me, I wasn't going to say it till next year, but he said to me, I want you, of this stuff I was going to share, he said, it's not that important. Added to sermons later. He said, the core of what you need to share before you go to California is this, 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 this. And one of the things was you need to explain to the people, I don't have time to get into it today, but he said, you need to explain to the people the balance between the apostle's office and the pastor's office because things are changing for me in the future. I'm always going to be your pastor. I'm never leaving this church. We are here till the rapture. So don't worry and jump ship or be afraid. But the balance of my involvement is starting to shift ever so slightly because we're only toe deep. But as the months and years pass, I go from toe to the top of my feet, to my ankle, to my shin, to my knee, to my thigh, to my waist, to my chest, to waters, to swimming. And that will take us right through to the rapture. But we are technically in toe deep water because it came when the mantle, I stepped into that apostolic thing then. And I need people to understand that. And so some of the balance and some of the involvement that I have with the day-to-day running of this church is going to change. It hasn't really changed now, 
because we're too, too new in it. But it's going to change in the future and I need to explain to you what that means so that some of you won't be surprised as you see very gently and very, God does not do things like that. He doesn't knock you off a cliff. Very gentle and gradual, you'll start to see some things adjust over the years. I don't even mean over the weeks, I mean over the years. But I have to talk about that. I wasn't going to talk about that till next year. But he said, you go ahead. That's part of the core of the vision. So we'll talk probably about that more next week. But this morning, my wife said to me as she was leaving, so I just want you to know, 29 years of preparation. 29 years from the time in October he called me and he said, I'm calling you to preach the gospel. I wanted to do three things. And I was going to try to talk God. If you didn't let me do one, I'll do the next. If you let me do the next, then I'll do the next. The first one I wanted to do was be a game ranger in Africa so I could be with the animals. And if he turned me down on that, then I wanted to be a police officer so I, should, I could have guns, and shoot, shoot, shoot bad people, and, and enforce the law. I'd be real good as a cop. I'm telling you, I'd be real good. Very merciful, but very good. And then the third thing, I said, if you don't let me do that, let me be a psychologist. Let me, I want to talk to people. I want to help people. I, I enjoy talking and helping people. So I said, Lord, those are the options. Pick one, but I'd like in the order that I've given you. And if you want, I could be an animal ranger, part-time police officer, and when I have time, I could counsel people. I said, we could amalgamate the three. And he said to me in October 1991, you will do none of those. (laughs) He said, I've called you to preach the gospel. I had three experiences in that year, at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end. And I talked with my pastor on all three experiences, and my pastor validated at Evangel Temple that it was from God. And it was that year I started preaching, both on the streets and from a pulpit. And that was my first year. And from that year, 17 years till we started this church, and then 12 years since we've been in this church takes us up to 2020, October 2020. I'm including that first year of Hebron because that was part of the qualification season till the mantle came at the very end of 2020. So really, it was 29 years and two months until I stepped into that next level, if I could put it that way. So what I'm saying is this is not something that just I decided... And this is just a small little thing that, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm bored this. I'll try to do this. It doesn't work that way. I know people that try that and then they fail. God has to do it. God has to speak it. It takes time. It takes faithfulness. It takes ambition being stripped away from you. It takes arrogance being stripped away from you. It takes tremendous humility and, and willing to not do anything. Not, ambition is, kills you. God wants you to be willing to be obscure forever. And be okay with it. And I truly am. And that's, I guess, why he adds it. But I didn't do it because I thought he would add it because then the motive would be impure. Okay, well, I'm willing to not have anything, but really secretly I want something. No, no, you you can't fake God. Either it's in, either your heart's pure or it's not. I'm just saying this didn't, this thing, this step, this mantle, this apostolic calling didn't come lightly or cheaply. It took a long time. And it's interesting that in this new season, when the mantle has come, 2021 being our first year, it's like a new season. Well, it's also our 30th year of ministry. And during the fast, the Lord spoke to me and said, did you notice? I'm not being weird with this. I'm just saying what I heard him speak to me. He said, did you notice that Jesus in his 30th year of life started something new? And you in your 30th year of ministry start something new. He launched into what God had, but he was 30 years old. I'm not 30 years old, but it's the 30th year of ministry that we launch into something new. But this is a new season. The mantle is all connected to that. So when my wife was leaving today, the Spirit of God came on her and she stood in the doorway. And I know when the Spirit of God is there because I can feel the anointing come. And normally when she says goodbye, I don't feel the anointing. (laughs) 
In fact, I don't think I've ever felt the anointing in, in, in 24 years of knowing her when she says goodbye. But I felt it this morning. And she, point, she looked at me and she pointed her finger and she says, now you be bold. Now, now God hadn't even started talking to me when you said that. He started talking to me after you left. He said, now you be bold. He said, remember God showed me on January 17, 2017 that you're like a David. And look at the David parallel that God has given. In the spirit, you're like that. And, and you're, you're, you're called to kill giants like him. And now you be bold and you don't hold back and you be bold. And I thought, why are you saying? I could feel the anointing. But I said, Lord, why? I said, Lord, why are you saying that through her? And then when you left, when, when, as soon as you left, five minutes after, he started talking to me. And he said, the reason she told you to be bold is because I want you to say some things. I said, no, I'm not saying that. He says, you will say it because I, it needs as part of the core of the vision. So it, that's why I said I'm hesitant because it sounds self-serving. It sounds arrogant. It sounds these things. But if you knew me, you'd know why I don't want to say this. But he said, I want you to repeat some of the things you've said before and say some new things that I've never, ever made public ever in my life. And I'm going to go for another 20 minutes and then I'm going to end. So you stay with me for 20 minutes because this is precious and the anointing is here to do it now. And it wouldn't be appropriate to wait till next Sunday. And it's just a few verses. So bear with me for 20 minutes. Turn quickly to Jeremiah 47. Could you turn there? Jeremiah chapter 47. Sometimes you go the whole message until the anointing is finally, it's right. The ground is right. The presence is right. And then he says, now say it. And sometimes that's not always as early as I would like, but we'll be quick. Jeremiah 47. Can you turn there? It's important you turn there with me. Jeremiah 47 and verse 6. This is the first major word that God gave me after he called me. It wasn't that year. It was some years later. But this is the first time God spoke to me in a very clear way, Jenny, about my calling. I had been preaching for a number of years before he said this, but I'm telling you, God came in the room. I'll never forget it. And he spoke these words to me. He said, Tone, open your Bible. And I read and, and, and it's like these words not just jumped off the page. It's like they jumped inside my spirit. Oh, thou sword of the Lord, how long will it be ere thou be quiet? Put up thyself into thy scabbard, rest and be still. How can it be quiet? Seeing the Lord has given it a charge against Ashkelon and against the seashore. There he has appointed it. And the word of the Lord came to me and said, you are like a sword and you, there is a cry that is going to come out of you in the years to come. Some of you have heard it. Some of it you haven't heard because that apostles thing is going to open up a whole other level of it. Some of it is not even for this church. It's for foreign lands. But there's a cry that is coming out of you from that office. And people are going to tell you, go into your sheath. Rest a little bit. Why are you so hyper all the time? Why are you so noisy? Why are you so intense? Rest and be still. People are going to try to keep you quiet. And believe me, they have. But the, but the Lord said to me, how can you be quiet? How can you stop? Because I have given you an assignment or a charge against Ashkelon. My God. It literally means I've joined you to constituent, to join you to Ashkelon and to the seashore. There I've assigned you or appointed you. There's an assignment. There's an appointment for me to Ashkelon and the seashore. Do you understand? And, 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 and only very recently the Lord took this scripture and opened it up to me more. And I saw something I had not seen. This is since the mantle came. He showed me something that he didn't show me back then. Now, I think I've read this once years ago. 
I read this to the congregation. This is only the second time. But this thing that he showed me, Jenny, recently, uh, first of all, Ashkelon was a place of giants. Yes. And there is a, I don't know, that's that David thing. That is that David thing. something about, yeah. I'm not afraid of them. Yeah. I should be, but I'm not. not. And I'm going to go. Amen. But also, I, this is fascinating, Jenny, and I don't think you even know this, honey. But Ashkelon in the Hebrew language, the name Ashkelon means a weighing place, a place of scales, a place of trade and commerce. You know how they would do the scales? You get seven fruit for this many coins. It's a weighing place, a place of scales, trade and commerce. It represents bustling and busy cities. And seashore in the Hebrew language means a sheltered cove apart from the rest of the shoreline, secluded and isolated. It means a not busy and not bustling place. And the Lord said to me recently, since the fast, he said, this calling, this crying aloud is both to the cities and to the country. It's both to the busy centers and to the not busy centers. It's both to the the, the metropolitan cities and the tiny jungle communities. It's both to the Ashkelon and the secluded coves. There is an assignment there. There is is an assignment there. Now the next second word that he gave me in my life was the next chapter, chapter 48. If you'd please look there with me, chapter 48 and verse 10. Actually, it was the same day that he gave me this, but it was just came second. And I want you to watch here. It says, cursed be he that does the work of the Lord deceitfully. That means half-heartedly. That means not giving it your all. And cursed be he that keepeth back his sword from blood. And the Lord said to me, I've said to you in the previous chapter that you're like a sword. There's a cutting. There's there's something to to remove things, to break things and to build things. And he said, but you don't draw that sword back from blood, son. Meaning, and this is what he said to me, and I didn't understand it. I was just a young man. I was in my teenage years. I didn't know what he was talking about, but now I understand more over the time. It takes time to hear, understand what God says sometimes. He said, there's a violence to your call. That's why the word blood is mentioned. There's a, there's a violence, and you can't take territory in the Philippines without a violent spirit. And I don't mean violent hurting people. I mean an aggressive apostolic. I'm going to take this devil. I plant my flag. You get out of here. There's got to be that, 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 that against the giants. There's that roar. And people are going to say, shut up and be still. No, I can't. I've got, a, I've got an appointment against them. And I'm not taking back my sword. It's not just going to be a little willy-dilly, nice little sermon. There's blood to be shed here. And not the people's blood, but the devil's blood symbolically. He can't bleed. You know what I'm saying. But there's a violence to it. And sometimes you pick that up from me when I preach. Don't be discouraged. Don't be weirded out. That's part of the apostolic calling. And you've got to understand that. You've got to understand that. Now, he never spoke this to me, but go back to chapter 1 of Jeremiah. He never said it to me at that time, but in years past when I would read the Bible, I saw some similarities to these two chapters, verse, chapter 47 and 48, to what this is stating here in verse 10, Jeremiah 1.10. I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out 
pull down, destroy, throw down, and then build and plant. There is twice as much destruction listed compared to building. Because you've got to break down false teaching. You've got to break down the power of the devil. You've got to break down his grip on the minds of men. You've, there's got to be a bulldozing quality. And that's why it takes the apostle's office because a pastor can't do it. The apostle has to level it and then start to build and plant a church and then say, pastor, come and teach him. But there's a strength that comes in the apostle's office the pastor's office does not have. And the pastor cannot do. He would try, but he will fail. Because it takes a supernatural anointing from God Almighty that I do not possess except God put me in it and on it. It is something that comes into you to bulldoze the land and to build the church and plant the church and then say, Pastor, train the church. Prophet, come in and speak to the church. Teacher, come in and get into the nitty-gritty and teach us the things. Evangelist, come and preach and, and get the people to flock to the church. But I've got to plant the church. And there's a strength that comes with that that is not human. It's superhuman strength. It's an anointing from God that you cannot muster because you decide you want to go plant a church. People can plant a church and it not be an apostolic work, but I'm talking about to the nations and Canada in an apostolic vein. There's a strength to it. And there has to be a destruction and then a building and a planting. So this is part of the vision. He said for me to be bold, Jenny, so I'm being bold. He said, for me to be bold. So I'm being bold. Now the second thing he said, I want you to... (laughs) He said, okay, so I will. 1 Samuel 14, verse 4. Again, I I, I don't really want to, but uh, because it's my business. It's not your business. It's my business. But I guess God thought it was your business because he said, I want you to share it. And I argued with him. And he said, that's why I told your wife to tell you to be bold. He said this to me into my 20s. But again, since the fast, he's revealed something new to me. It's amazing, Jenny. And I've even held this from my wife. Not that she's not worthy, but I just felt it needed to be said today. So she's hearing some of this for the first time as well. And between verse 4, this is the great story of Jonathan and his armor bearer going up to the garrison of the Philistines. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over under the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes and the name of the other was Sina. And the forefront of the one was situate northward, that's Bozes, and the, uh, over against Michmash, and the other, that's Sina, was situated southward against Gebeah. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, you know, and that's when they, they go, he says, the Lord will fight, the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. But when I was reading that years ago, Quinn and Cole, the Lord stopped me and he said, wait, I want to talk to you. Now, this is an obscure scripture. What are you talking about, the rocks? What, what do you mean? And the word of the Lord came to me. He said, as you go through this path, remember Jonathan was walking a path. He said, there are two rocks on either side of you. He said, one faces north and one faces south. He said, the name of one is Bozes and the name of the other is Sina. And he said, and there will be two main arms of your ministry, one to the north and one to the south. This is years ago before even the church was planted, years before the church was planted. But I'm talking, this is many years later, now I understand it better. And, I, and he said, now look up what they mean. <laughs> and the word bozes, interestingly enough, the one that faces north, means white. It means to be bleached, to be like snow. Wow. Wow. And the Lord said, and to the north is Canada, yeah. 
and that will be your home, the place of snow. Because he knows I don't want snow. He knows that's the last thing on my list is snow. But he said that to me. He said, that will be your hub. And he said, now to the south, that word means acacia tree. And he said, and you know, in your life, growing up in Africa, that's the home of the acacia tree. And he said, and this will, there will be a ministry to Africa. But you have to die to it first. For except a corn of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abides alone, but if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. And so for years I died to that, waiting for God to resurrect it, which he did, he did, he did in March 2018 when I met Matthew. Praise God. And he told me four years earlier in 2014, going north on Highway 10, right here by the church, about to turn left on Derry Road, waiting to turn left. I heard the word of the Lord say, you're going to go back to Africa. And I thought, why? Is my brother-in-law going to die because he's older? Why else would I go back to Africa? He said, no, a ministry calls for you. And for four years I prayed. In 2014, God told Matthew, specifically start praying for your wife to go to Africa because she doesn't want to go. And he prayed for four years for her. We don't even know each other. He's praying for his wife to get on board, and I'm praying for clarity as to what I'm supposed to do in Africa. And in 2018, his wife is on board, or 17 really, and I, and I meet him, and everything starts. But he said, now this southern thing is, uh, now this is what he said to me years ago. There'll be two arms, to the north, to the south, to the snow-covered, and to the acacia. But since the fast... He said, look at that again. I want to show you something more. My God, Jenny. He said, I want to show you something more. I said, okay, Lord, is there anything more out of rocks that you can give me? Am I trying to get blood out of a stone, so to speak? Uh, pardon the pun. Nobody here laughed, but anyway, except my, my, my dear friend Chantel. Praise God. Uh, uh, but anyway, I said, Lord, what are you talking? And he said to me, look up the word Boses again. So I looked it up. And I, I missed something the first time, Jenny. It doesn't just say white, like cotton or like snow. It says to glimmer and to shine with whiteness. To glimmer. It literally means shining. And he said, do you remember what Dad Hagen said on that year, just before he got healed, when I took him up? And his grandmother tried to get in the room and she bounced back like a ball because the cloud was in the room. Do you remember what he said? He didn't talk about that for many years. It was so holy. He said the glory came into his room and he said it looked like, it looked the glory to his eyes looked like when the sun shines off snow. He said it was glimmering and shining white. He said the glory that he saw was shining white. I said, Lord, I remember that. And he said, now look at, look at, look at the precision. I mean, I, I wouldn't know that. He said, I told you years ago to the north, which would be your home in the snow-covered place that would be your hub called Bozes. He says, but I want you to know that the glory of God, the shining, glimmering glory is assigned to the north. Wow. It's the glory center. Wow. It's the glory center. He said, do you see? I was even telling you back then, but you didn't realize it. It wasn't just you were focusing on the snow, the physical snow as the landscape of this place. He said, but I was talking about the glory that shines off that, the shining, glimmering light of the glory of God that will be seen in the north. And that is the glory center he talked to me about on the fast. And that Randy has stood in by the Spirit. <laughs> and then he says, now look also up, Sina, there is more that you've missed. 
I said, Lord, what? It, it means acacia tree. It means ba basically to pierce, like, a, like the thorn of an acacia tree pricks you or pierces you. And he said, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost walked me through it because I, I, I didn't know what he was trying to tell me. I couldn't see what he was saying. He said, what's the Hebrew name? The Hebrew name is my name. Craig. Craig. That's what the name is for Sina. Craig. Craig. And so he said, now, I'll get to it in a second, but he said, now, you remember what I talked to you about from the book of Job, yes. about your name? Yes. That it means a sharp outcropping rock, yes. that it means a strong place. That's what it means, crag. The crag of the rock is a strong place. And he says, now, you didn't realize when I talked to you before that that word Sina represents, that is the Hebrew word for crag. And he says, now, I'm not, that's why I was hesitant to share these things because I don't want people to misunderstand my heart. But this is what he said to me. He said, I'm just telling you what he said to me, and he asked me to say it. I don't want to say it, but he asked me to say it. He said, I have named you after the international work because it's the international work that has to be pierced. Yes, sir. That's true. See, that word means to pierce. The acacia thorn is to pierce. The word go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, the word go in the Greek means to pierce darkness. Yes. That's why we called it FMI Go. One of the reasons I did that is because that word go means to pierce darkness and it's connected, it's connected to my name, which I knew from a previous scripture in Job, but I didn't see it in here. And this southern rock that faces south, God said to me, since the fast, he said to me, you have always thought it only meant Africa because that's all I could explain to you then because that's all you could handle but it represents Africa and the world. For there will be many other places, not just to the south. The one represents the home hub of Canada and the glory of God and the glory center in the place of snow. And the other represents the south and all the other places that I've called you. But it will be a piercing. You'll have to pierce those dark places like a thorn pierces flesh. I've named even your name. That name represents Shan. It means in the Hebrew to pierce. Sina. My name comes from the root of that. It means to pierce. And he said, now your ministry to the world is to pierce. It's to pierce darkness. I never saw that, Jenny. I never saw the north meaning gleaming glory and the south meaning piercing darkness. Look at, look at the, I'm not saying there's not glory in, in, in the international work, but look at how he said it. They're two opposites. The north gleaming glory and the south piercing darkness. And he's put something in me to pierce that darkness because not everybody has it. A lot of people can have the glory, but not everybody can pierce darkness because it takes an apostle's office to pierce darkness. It doesn't take an apostle's office to have the glory of God necessarily, but it takes an apostle's office to pierce places of darkness. And he said, there are two rocks and they are facing opposite directions on your path. There are two rocks. I'm telling you, there's a north and there's a south. That represents, now I know more, that represents the north, Bozes, Canada, snow, gleaming glory. The other represents the south, Africa, and the world, piercing darkness. And I've put something in you individually and personally that's what represented the name. I put something in you to pierce. Yes. Not just the name. The name doesn't mean much. It's the anointing he's talking about. Mm. Praise God. That's, That's why I'm called to go. Yeah. That's why God, I guess, wants me to talk about this because if you don't understand the time and the effort and the energy and the specification and the precision that he has spoken to me about going, yeah. when I go, you'll think he just wants to travel. 
He just wants to have fun. He doesn't want to pastor me. He doesn't want to preach to me. He just wants to go to exciting places. You won't understand that this is more than that because I actually in the natural flesh don't even want to. I'd much rather stay here because they don't understand how to flow with the anointing like this church does. They, they don't create an atmosphere for me there like this church does. It's harder to preach there than it is in this church. I want to be here more than there, but there is a call. You must not just go north, but you must go south. You must pierce. There's a call to shout and cry with your sword. When they tell you to shut up, say, no, I have an assignment to the giants. I must go to the busy centers and to the non-busy centers. Amen. And there's a violence to it for the kingdom of God to destroy and to build. That's the apostle's office. I'm saying this because the mantle brought the fullness of the apostle. I'm not in the fullness of it, but it caused me to start to step into it. Amen. And the final one. And again, I was hesitant, but this doesn't take more than three minutes. But look at Job 39, since we're on it. Let's just finish it quickly. Job chapter 39. I think I, I, think I shared this years ago once too, but he gave me more since the fast. He showed me something on this day I've never seen. And he said this to me back when I was very young, in my early teenage years around the time I was called, verse 27, Job 39, 27 to 30. Doth the eagle mount up at thy command and make her nest on high? She dwelleth upon the rock, upon the crag of the rock, and, the, her ne and upon the strong place. From thence she seeketh the prey, and her eyes behold afar off. Her young ones also suck up blood, where the slain are, there she is. Now, God said to me years ago, that verse marks your life. Now, I didn't understand fully what it all meant, but I just knew something. I don't know, an eagle or something. I don't know. But I knew that that word dwelleth upon the rock, the crag of the rock, the strong place. That word is, is the root of my word. This other word that I read in the other verse comes from that root. But this word crag, it means ivory tusk. It means the tooth of an elephant. It means something that pierces. And God said to me years ago, not it's just coincidence, it's, I guess maybe not, I don't know, but elephant has always been my favorite animal, always. In Africa, it was always my favorite animal. I'm not saying that he did it for that reason, but I'm just saying it always was. So I've studied elephants, and I know much about their habits. And what they do with those tusks is they break things, but they also use the tusks to lift up and repair things. If you ever watch an elephant, they can build things and they can break things. And that tusk is used to both break and build. And the Lord said, now, your, that your name is not coincidence that your mother named you that. I led her to name you that. I'm not saying God named me. I'm just saying he said to me, I led her to name you that. They were going to do another name. But the Lord prompted my mother to name me, to name me Craig. They were going to do Andrew, but that's my middle name. But they, God led her. That was supernatural. Because, the, because that, not that the name, remember, he wanted Dad Hagen to be called John. But the name wasn't that important as long as he fulfilled the call. Yeah. But, but sometimes names do matter. They do mean things. Yes. Not every time. But it, whether I did or not, I'd still fulfill the call, whether my name is this or not. But the Lord said to me, I led her to name you that, even though she didn't know she was being led, her and your father. Because there is a, there's, a, there's an element in my word that talks about that outcropping place of strength. And he said, now it means, can I tell you exactly what it means? It means an outcropping sharp rock tooth of an elephant, a tusk, a, it means to be on the forefront, it means to pierce. That's what it means. And, 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 and a part of this word comes out of what I just read in the other word, you know, what, what I just read about Sina. It's connected to this word in the Hebrew. They're connected. 
but there is a sharpness. A pastor is not just sharp. A pastor is more, in general, blunt, for lack of a better word. You can't have too much sharpness on a pastor because they'll destroy the church. But see, that, that apostle can pastor, the prophet can't pastor. We saw that with Dr. Sumrall and Dr. Dufresne. If you call to a prophet's office, you can't pastor at the same time. God won't let it. He never lets it. But if you call to an apostle, you can. Because an apostle's nature, even though they're gruff and they kind of, in some ways, are a bulldozer, there's, this, there's an anointing in them to build and plant. Which is why God allows oftentimes the apostle to stay in a pastoral role, even though, which is why he's allowing me to stay here as the pastor. But there is a higher calling than that on me. But that, that, see, is a forefront. It means a sharp outcropping, a forefront to pierce, like, a, like that, that tusk is at the front of the elephant. And that's why I'm called to be on the forefront. I'm called to be out in front. I'm called to go. I'm called to go to these nations. I'm called to blaze trails. I'm called to go to jungles, to Ashkelon, and to quiet coves. But there's a going forward and a piercing, like that it pierces darkness. That's what go means, to pierce darkness. And there's a, a destruction, a violence, and a building yes. to that concept. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> it actually also means, the word crag, also, I'm almost done, also means the, a, a word we don't use very often, inculcate. To inculcate. That's what, there's, an, there's, an, there's a sense attached to that word, crag, that means inculcate. I don't know what inculcate means. So I looked it up at the prompting of the Lord. The Lord said, look that up. Because yeah. that's, that's a part of your personality. Yeah. Yeah. I don't look at you, look at you, he's crazy. What's he talking about? I, I'm just telling you, I didn't want to share this. Because I know people will attack me because of it. But I heard him say, you tell whether they would do or not. Because they need to understand the precision that I have used in you. Inculcate means to instill an attitude, idea, or habit by persistent instruction. To, per, to instill an attitude, idea, or habit by persistent instruction. And the Lord said, is that not you, son? There is that persistence about you that you don't quit, that you'll keep going. You'll say 12 times to get them to understand it. I, on the field, both in this church in the north and to the world, I... I need that instilling these attitudes and changes with persistent instruction. That's the piercing. That's the forefront. That's going ahead. That's breaking and building and planting. Yes. It's forefront. There's a strength to it. Yes. That defines who I am. And I didn't plan that, but God showed me that from the scriptures. Wow. And then the new thing that I didn't know, Jenny, until, the, until since the fast, which I haven't shared with you. But he said, keep reading, because I already knew that verse 28, most of it there. But this is what was since the fast. He said, from thence, that eagle sees the prey, and her eyes behold afar off. I've read that a thousand times, and I've never seen it. And the Lord said, because of the apostolic office, you are now beginning to see afar off. Philippines is a far off. Africa is a far off. Do you see the nature there in this calling that is in me? Like an eagle to look beyond the nest. Yes. This is the nest. This is the nest. Yes. 
but there is something beyond the nest. Pray what the ego's after. They're after physical animals to eat. We're after souls. We're looking afar off to the other nations. We're looking to Sina. We're looking to the south and around the world for the prey. And I heard him say, keep reading, son. And I looked down to the last verse, and her young ones also suck up blood. For where the slain are, there is she. He said, did I not say that there's a message of blood and violence? Don't misunderstand. I know what God means by that. There's an aggression. There's a, we're not just, there's a, we need to cast out devils. We need to raise the dead. We need to heal the sick. We need to freely give that we've received. We need to save souls. There's a violent and aggressive blood-soaked message. Amen. Thank God. And he said, have I not told you on the fast that your spiritual sons... Yeah. All the talk, we've talked about our spiritual sons, yeah. Jenny. Look, her young ones, her spiritual sons are there at the prey. So you see, James and Miracle are my young ones that are far off with me, sucking up the blood, so to speak. We, we're taking the devil's camp back from him, and we're going we're gonna to shed his blood, so to speak, and we're going to win souls for Jesus. And they're there where the slain are, they're there. Meaning where the prey is, where the prey have capitulated, where the devil has broken and lost its power, and where souls are coming into the kingdom, there the spiritual sons are. I, I'm telling you, Jenny, when he showed that to me, I've read this a thousand times, I've never seen that. He said, I held it from you. There's a veil. I won't let you see till the right time. But now that that apostolic mantle has come, now I can take the veil back. Now I can show you stuff that you've been looking at since you were 16 years old, but you never fully understood what I meant. That's why I've been saying far off, because the ministry is to the nations, not just the nest. Notice the nest is in the strong place. The nest is a, it has to be a strong local church here at Promise of Life, Mississauga. This is the strong nest. We must have a strong nest or I have no platform to go far off. But there is a platform for far off and spiritual sons will go with me far off and we will slay the devil and we will take his captives and we will see the souls come. And there'll be a sense of aggression and bulldozing and piercing and tusks and, and energy and violence and blood and sword yes. that marks me. Amen. I know it doesn't mark everybody. You say, but why is God using natural things? This is the name and all this stuff is natural, but it connects to the spiritual. It connects to the call. It connects to the personality. Let me tell you something. The reason why Dr. Sumrall could do what he was called to do is because God put a certain personality in him. Without that, he could not have been an apostle. Why is David Hogan the way he is? He's just like a wide wire all the time. Why? God put a personality in him because he is an apostle. And without that aggression, he cannot fulfill his call. A true apostle has something. I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's like a roar. There's a violence. There's a blood. There's fire that comes out of their eyes because they are facing hell. That's true. Amen. And other offices don't face hell the same way. We are facing places that must be spiritual strongholds that must be destroyed so we can build and plant the kingdom of God where we can bring souls like the prey of God, but in a positive sense, not a negative sense. That's where this comes from. When you hear 
the ire in a good way, when you feel the aggression, when you hear me cry, don't say he's emotional. Don't say, oh, it's just Pastor Craig. Don't say, calm down. Understand, this is part of an office. I am a sword. And I need a strong nest from which to launch. You are the nest that helps me launch. You are the young ones that will go with me. And we will accomplish it together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said, Lord, are you sure? You sure you want me to talk about this? Three verses. Well, four, really. Jeremiah 47, Jeremiah 48, and then 1 Samuel 14, and then Job 39. I said, you sure you want me to share all that? He said, I I don't, these are very private things. When they're personal, I don't like telling people lest they respond wrong. Because then it would hurt me and hurt the Lord. So you keep private things private. He said, you must say it. Because it's part of the vision. They've got to understand why you are the way you are. So that like he says, he's a bit abnormal. He's a bull in a china shop. Why? That apostle's office is different. Some of you may be saying, why is he starting to be different now? He wasn't like that last year. Some of it he was, but you'll notice a difference as time passes. There'll be more of delineation from 2020 and before, the first 12 years of the church, to the 13 years and onward. You don't see it as much right now because we're in toe level. But as it gets deeper, you'll notice more of a delineation. Why? That's the apostle's office coming to the forefront and the pastor's office going slow. That doesn't mean that you get up and leave the nest because there'll always be the pastoral office here to help you. And I have my wife to assist me in that flow. And there's a measure of the pastor that will always be on me. But do you understand? It's I cannot just do what I would have done, which is only pastor, if God has said there is a piercing call to go and pierce darkness and to go to Sina. And there is also the glorious glistening white of the nest of the north. So there's a constant pull, Jenny. We are here to keep the nest strong and have the glorious glory in the glory center. And we are also with a strong nest being launched out into the far-flung areas of the world to pierce darkness, to be a bulldozer and a sword, and to take the prey of the devil and make it God's. And that is me. Take it or leave it, like it or not, I'm telling you. I put myself on the line when I share these things. And I know some of you might have a varied opinion of what I've just shared today. But you just talk to God about it because believe me, I wouldn't share it if it was up to me. But God said, you share those four verses. It's part of the core of the vision. If they don't understand what I've put in you and on you and even named you, they won't understand the future. They'll, 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 oh, I can't handle this. This is too much. They'll get weary. They'll get confused. They'll get frustrated. Don't get weary and don't be confused. We're going to do it together and we're going to stand before Jesus and we're going to give an account together and you're going to get the same reward staying with the stuff as I do going to the battle. We're a team and we do it together. But, but there is something on me to push forward. Hallelujah. So pray for me because I still need prayer. Paul was an apostle. But he said, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. So I need you to continue to, don't say, wow, he's got, he's got, wow, he's got swords and I don't know, tusks. And I don't know what's going on here. He's like an animal and he's crazy and he's going. I don't need to pray for him. He's strong. No, you need to pray because there's also attacks of the devil against this. I have never, I'll close with this. I have never in my life 
had such an attack of the devil since that mantle came. Never in my life. I'm talking about there's a whole nother level Jenny and I have entered into in spiritual warfare. And I'm talking, I didn't know it could get that dark. I didn't know the devil could feel that real. But there is something that has come to withstand us since that mantle came on December 12th. And I can't quite put it in English words because it's, it's too, I don't know how to explain it to you. I'm not complaining. We'll be fine. But I'm telling you, I pay a price for this mantle every single day that you don't know about. Because I know the devil hates it. He is threatened by it. But I'm telling you, I'm coming for him. I got the sword out. God's got me in his hand as a sword. We're coming for him. I'm coming for blood. I'm coming for prey. And I'm going to take it. And he can't stop me. And I won't let him stop me. That's why I've got to stay in love. That's why I've got to treat my body right and keep losing weight. That's why I've got to do natural law and spiritual law. Or if he can take me out naturally because I break it, then he can abort this entire thing. That's why I've just gone to an integrated doctor that does medical science and naturopath. I'm not telling you to do it, but that's what I've done. God led me to go. And they're showing me and doing blood work on me and checking levels and stuff and everything. All of my systems to make sure that I'm clean, to make sure that I'm optimal, to make sure that everything is working right. I don't want to give the devil a place so that my body, because I haven't treated it right all these years, but I'm turning it. I'm on that treadmill. I'm telling you, I'm turning it. I'm losing the weight. I am. I'm not going to be a fat apostle. I'm not going to be there huffing and puffing like I was in Russia. I'm telling you, the pace is hard over there. It's different to here. The temperatures are hot. You sweat all the time. I mean, I sweat so much when I was in Liberia, my underwear was wet. And I'm not exaggerating. My underwear was wet. Wouldn't sweat. That's how much you sweat. I'm talking 100 plus degrees and 120% humidity. I mean, it just pours off you. You can't handle that if you're you're overweight. You, You have a heart attack. So see, there's a, there's a spiritual, but I've got to take the natural precautions. So I'm getting all the help I need medically. I'm getting all the help I need naturopathically. I'm getting all the help I need diet-wise and exercise-wise. This is my season to turn it around. Because when, when this, this nonsense lifts off the quarantining, all this garbage, when this lifts, I'm stepping into ankle deep. I'm not going to jump in when I can't swim, I'll drown. I've got to go slow. But I'm stepping in where God tells me to go, I'm going. Hallelujah. So you stand with me and you fight with me. And this is part of this apostolic calling came with the mantle and fullness. Hallelujah. I'm only in the beginnings, but it came. People need to understand that, Jenny. Lord, I just felt that anointing. It's gone. I'm telling you, that anointing is so specific. I'm getting much more skillful with it. I can feel when it comes and I can feel when it goes. It's gone. It's left me. So, Lord, I thank you. I've done my job. I've spoken as long as I felt the anointing was present. Now it's lifted off. I know it's time to quit when it lifts off. I don't care about the clock and I don't care about their lunch. I care about the anointing and I will keep going until I feel it lift off. So Lord, it's lifted off. I shut my mouth now. I let them have a great lunch in an afternoon. I thank you, Lord, that they are listening to the vision and this, what I shared as part of the vision, what Grandy shared as part of the vision. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.